Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. Another day, another dollar, another minor wisdom. This week, I've got H. Russ Brown. Most of you know him as H. He is from College of the Mainland down in Texas City, Texas. And he is doing some great things, has taken that department and the uh, sky's the limit with that guy over there. He's a fight choreographer extraordinaire. He does dialects. You'll hear a couple of, you know, theatrical voices in the interview. Sat down with him and ate some barbecue. Same place I went with Luis Munoz. Had a great time. Barbecue's really good. Shout out to Bighorn Barbecue. Not paying me anything yet. Anyway, you can find H. Russ Brown. It's, it's simple. It's like he planned this, but... His website is hrussbrown.com. He's also started a combat fight choreography company with two of his protégés. It is called Armed to the Teeth! Exclamation point. Armed to the Teeth! And it is A2DT stagecombat.com. That's A number two DT stagecombat.com. I'm going to put it in the information too, so you can just click on that in this podcast info. Uh, Lots of happenings this past week with our thespian board member retreat that we have every year just to get things ready for the year. We've figured out that we have over or just at 15 events during the school year or during the year with summer included, and that is a lot. So uh, we have to get together to plan that stuff. And that's what we did this week, and it was great. And there's going to be a lot of new stuff this year. Not going to tell you all that stuff. It'll come out on social media. It'll be on the website. Make sure you are checking texasthespians.org for all that information. New teachers, make sure you're getting ahead of that now. Mandy Tapia is going to be the mentor for you people and uh, making sure that you guys have all your questions answered. And it's going to be a fun year at the Gaylord Texan once again also got TETA coming up at the end of September. That too is in Dallas. Not a lot of love for Houston this year with our conventions, with our festivals, but don't worry because again, like I said last week, USITT, which is rarely down here in Houston, is here in April. We've got a while till that, but for all those technicians out there, tech teachers, tech students, all of you have to go to USITT at least once in your life to experience it. Why not do it while it's in Texas and you Dallas folk can just come down here. Austin folk can ride your bikes over here. Corpus Christi folk, you could surf over here and attend USITT. So there's a lot of stuff going on. We've also got these leadership conferences happening with thespians. So yeah, man, enough information. This stuff is boring to talk about. Why don't we get to the Groner joke and then this week's interview with the one and only H. Russ Brown. Going punny this week. 
An actor I know fell through the floor recently. It's just a stage he was going through. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Uh, my name is Atrus Brown, and I am the head of the College of the Mainland Theater Program down in Texas City. I've been there for about four years now, and about to start my fifth year. And we're a great little progressive program, and we train the stars of tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, where? So you are, we were talking before, while we were eating, you're from small town USA in Texas. I grew up near Corsicana. <laughs> I went to Mildred High School, which is in a little town out in the middle of nowhere. I, growing up, I grew up on a ranch. My nearest neighbor was five miles away. The school I went to was K through 12 in a one hall building. My graduating class was 24 people, wow. which is a was a record at the time. The same 24 almost all the way from K through 12. Uh, I didn't know I didn't jump in yeah most of them yeah okay. but not me I didn't jump in there until about third grade okay but yeah I'm so late to the game Every, yeah I know right by then they were all you know had Best dated friends. each other you know <laughs> but yeah everybody knew everybody's aunts uncles and yeah. cousins and everybody's business was anybody related uh yes okay. I in fact I had a, a aunt and a niece in the same class with me an aunt and a niece aunt and okay. a niece yeah I can empathize with that we ha I have a three no well almost four-year-old brother-in-law there you go <laughs> it so, happens yeah my it's my my seven-year-old's uncle is a three-year-old that's funny <laughs> anyway so yeah uh, extreme rural background yeah so what what was theater like back then uh, not back then i shouldn't say back then what was theater like? well, back in my day how was thespis was he cool um, <laughs> he, he you know he could be he was a little volatile at times yeah. you know uh but what uh what was theater like in a community that small we didn't really have the arts in my school so much uh my my father was a country and western singer okay uh he was kind of a pretty well-known regional uh, he opened up for Garth Brooks and Clint Black and George Strait Which back in the we'll, day. I'm sure we'll hear in the background at some point. Yeah, but at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah. Big horn. <laughs> uh, but uh, the theater wasn't really much of anything. I did a fourth grade health pageant okay. where I was Dr. Goodbody. And it was just a pageant, and I didn't think much of it. And then once I got to high school, I did do two years of one-act play. And the only reason we did one-act play at my school was because the principals and administrators wanted the points for UIL sure. and we didn't have a theater teacher we didn't have theater classes we had a science teacher who was given the assignment of uh, directing and, and sweet man um, sure. Billy Glenn Allen and uh, but we didn't really get any theater training and so I didn't have much background in it but I loved getting up and being a goof in front of people right. and doing that sort of thing so what bit you well uh, the first thing that really bit me is I had fun with the one-act play stuff, but uh, growing up I did martial arts. Okay. Uh, I was pretty heavily into martial arts, did a lot of training over the years and fought at tournaments and things like that. And then when I was at uh, junior college, I went to Novara College, of okay. course, Canada, Texas, my sensei got a call from the theater department asking for them to send somebody to show actors how to fall down. Because if you take a martial art, the first thing they teach you is how to fall down and not right. get hurt. Right. So he sent me out. And I thought I was going into a rehearsal. And so I walked in and I asked around. It turns out they were in the middle of auditions. <laughs> and the guy who was in the pit playing music for everybody auditioning stood up. It was the music director. He stood up and yelled, that guy sings. Get him up here. He sings. And I looked down there and it was the 
head of my choir from the church I grew up in. He was music directing the show. <laughs> and so they wrangled me into auditioning for Grease. Okay. And I got cast as Roger, uh, sometimes called Rump in right. the play. And during one part of the show, he gets depanced by the other T-Birds. And so the director wanted not just a quick, simple depance. They wanted more of a slapstick scuffle fight to get it off of there. And so I got to choreograph that and create that little moment on stage and it was funny and it lasted for a bit and we had a good time with it and the audience loved it and through that process I found out that there was such a thing as a fight director. I had no idea, I didn't even consider it. I knew there were stuntmen but I didn't know there were fight directors for the stage. So that was the first thing that really bit me but uh, growing up where I did and my family being the conservative types that they were, they knew that I had to get a practical degree right. because I would never spend my life doing theater. Right. Uh, so I, when I went to Texas A&M, I was doing journalism. Am I supposed to whoop? Yeah, okay. <laughs> whoop, gig mags, <laughs> class of 90. Uh, I went to Texas A&M and I was doing uh, marketing in the journalism department, marketing and advertising, because it was somewhat creative, right. graphic design, that sort of thing. And I needed an elective, so I went and took an acting class. Walked into an acting class, and there was this little five-foot-nothing gal with uh, brown eyes and the biggest smile you've ever seen, and we kind of hit it off, and we got engaged that very semester. Really? And she was into acting. She was going to be a, a teacher and theater was one of her focuses and so we met in that class and we'll have been married 30 years this month wow congratulations yeah, yeah. so that that's what really kicked me off is meeting her i yeah i knew i was interested and i knew all this other thing but she was one of the first people who uh pushed me and encouraged me to do anything with it have you been in a show with her oh yeah many yeah. many many okay. times okay. yeah yeah okay yeah. i don't know if that became like uh uh like you didn't like my wife and I have learned to work well together. But if we were in a show together, it probably wouldn't work well together. <laughs> no, we work great together. Okay. Uh, in fact, we were in a scene that semester with each other, and we, that's one of the reasons we knew. It was really right. strange because we had our first date on October eighth, and she had the ring on her finger by November thirteenth. Wow! And we were married the next August, so I hadn't even known her a right. full year when we got married. What's your What's your conservative family think about that? Well, mine were a little weary, but right. her folks they were just about hit the floor. They right. They They were like, "I, who is this guy, and why is he asking this?" And yada yada. Does that mean they had lower expectations or <laughs> or higher expectations, maybe? Or well, maybe they just didn't want to go so fast. Yeah, uh, we were in a big hurry, but it's all right. That's good. It seemed to work. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and you said you had two two kids, a son and a daughter. Yep, yeah. I have two kids. Twenty-six-year-old uh, son yeah. who's an actor in Chicago, and a twenty-year-old uh, daughter who's a major right. in my so program. So they both. I feel because I feel my wife and I discuss this quite often because we have two kids with two theater parents. They're just kind of screwed, aren't they? There's well, we never we never pushed <laughs> push them, it, but they we, see yeah, it. Yeah, they see it they and in they're it. immersed in it, and they're both just so natural at it. They're right. both more talented than Elizabeth and I ever thought of being. Right. So, uh, this is your DNA that you're passing on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll say that it's my DNA. Yeah, yeah. No, it's her DNA. All the well, way. but I mean, I, I don't mean it that way. I mean like. You yeah. were wired that way, so yeah. obviously they're probably going to be They've been immersed in that. it since yeah. day one. So. Well, that's good for you. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> so you took over um, at Common, College of the Mainland. That's uh, right. You said four years ago? Four years ago. That's okay. my fifth year coming up. Okay. Um, now, knowing a little bit of the history behind that school mm -hmm. and kind of it, at when Mark Adams was there, it was a quite successful 
and it's still successful, but I mean, it was, it was, it had some prestige uh, while yes. he was there. Mm -hmm. um, was that pressure, like keeping that kind of? Uh, well, it was kind of a double-edged sword in a way because uh, when I arrived there, Mark's focus when he was there was on the community theater that right. was housed within the school okay. and his focus wasn't as much on the program okay. uh, so by the time I arrived there there was only one theater major oh. in the program and so when they hired me the board of, of trustees was actually on the verge of weighing whether or not to hire somebody and continue the program or to cut the thing off entirely and so they brought me in saying it's yours to make or break We've got this great theater with this great reputation and, and this level of you know uh, professionalism that we espouse right. on that stage, but we need to build up the academic program. So you've got to meld the two and make it successful. Right. Uh, so that I knew that was my goal right away, and I said, okay, I need money to buy a bag of swords. <laughs> and they said, what? And I said, yeah, I need money. Give me some money. I'll buy a bag of swords and I will fill this program for you. Right. And I said, okay. So they bought me a bag of swords, and the first thing I did... That's when you first, started threatening students. <laughs> that's right. You will come to my program, and you will submit to my will. You will be assimilated. Uh, I emailed all the local theater teachers uh, in the high schools and the junior highs and said, hey, I'm the new guy in town. My name is H, and I want to come do programs in your school. Uh, workshops, whatever you need. Do you need help with your show? I'll come help. I do dialects, I do juggling, I do acting, I do auditions, I do stage combat. I'll sure. come do it for free, uh, especially within our district. And just let me meet your kids. Just let me yeah. get to know them and form a relationship. And so that's what I did. And cool. so some of the schools in our area, Dickinson, Santa Fe, Texas City, I go out to all the time. At one point for a while there, I was going to Dickinson once a week. You know, they're, they're just great teachers and they've got amazing kids who just because of how they knew the program had been, right. they didn't see it as an option for them because they didn't see a thriving academic program. They just saw a community theater. Right. So I convinced them otherwise, and we've grown. And uh, this last fall, we were at 45 majors. Wow! So they, so these, some of these kids are seeing you their freshman year. Now they're a freshman coming into your program. Right? That's right. Yeah. Some some of these kids I have been <laughs> working been, with and working on since yeah. I met them. Yeah, that's that's the definition of vertical alignment. Yeah, absolutely. But what's the? What do you think is the? Because you know, in 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 the high school world, we and same with college and university setting, but. Uh, there are recruitment rules, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think is kind of the, the line between recruiting and just community relations, if that makes sense? Well, I recruit pretty heavily. I, I don't know really of any yeah. recruitment rules that would apply to me other than I can't recruit them when I'm at UIL is there not a, stuff. Right, okay, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. But is there, there's no timeline in the, in, in the community, uh, college community? As far as like you can't recruit between these months. Oh no. Oh, okay. So no, I'm I'm, I'm working on it 24/7, 365. Okay. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> I know in, in high school world, we have a window of time that we can actively recruit. Now we can uh, do vertical alignment. Sure, sure. And we can call it that, right? Yeah. Uh, and go to schools that that are in our feeder pattern, but we can't recruit to our programs. Oh no. And say I, come come to the theater program. I recruit okay. constantly. Okay. I drop that anywhere I can. Right. I guess it would make sense because yours also has financial. Uh, there are financial reasons that you would also need students to, to come to a community college. Absolutely. Um, what is uh, so far in the four years you've been there? What is the production 
that you are most proud of? Ooh, that'd be tough. Uh, wow. Uh, as far as like uh, production value, I've I've been really proud of all of them. We did an outstanding production of Eurydice uh, about two years ago. That was your wonderful. space is beautiful. I mean, like yeah, speaking little three quarter of, thrust yeah. seats, one eighty six. It's a really nice space, and just yeah. all of it is a good layout, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's my favorite space I've ever actually yeah. directed in because you yeah. can reach out, touch the actors. Make you a little sweat on you every yeah. now and then in the audience. It's a good height. It's a good. I mean, everything about it is, yeah. is a very good good space. But anyway, so I'll let you finish. But, but yeah, I was really proud of that production of Eurydice. Uh, it did really well. We got a lot of accolades from uh, Kennedy Center American College yeah. Theater Festival for that one. Uh, I'm really proud of our our musicals in particular that we do. We've got a lot of really great talent right now. Thoroughly Modern Millie uh, has been very successful, and we did a production a couple of years ago called Second Samuel, that was about prejudices and, right. and being closed-minded about people who are different, and it really had an impact on the people who came to see the show. And yeah. so I, I love that. I love the entertainment, and I also love, you know, introducing people to new ways of thinking. Right. Is there one, and you can go back even in your career before uh, College of the Mainland, but uh, is, there a, is there a production that got away that you wanted to, that you're like, after, in hindsight, you're like, oh, man, I wish I could have done it this way, and... I feel like it could have had much more of an impact. Nothing I've ever directed, really. Some Maybe I've performed in. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's usually <laughs> I, the case. <laughs> my favorite role I've ever done was uh, I played Sweeney Todd, but I was in my 20s right. when I did it. And Sweeney is not that age, no. and I had no, you know, I think I did a good job, and I got right. good response and stuff from people who saw it, but... Oh, I could just so knock it out of the park now with right. the world experience and you know being of the age that right. I actually am now. So. Right. Yeah. It's a, we just did that show at my school, so oh, yeah. we had an 18-year-old playing Sweeney. So I, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take a crack at it again one of these days. But yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, one. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, so this is a question I've asked university people, college people, uh, post-secondary people, if you will, uh, and I told you I was going to ask you a question, yeah. and I didn't want to give you the answer yeah. that I've that these people have given me, but it's all been the same answer, yeah. but I feel like your, your response may be different. I'm setting you up here. Yeah. <laughs> because of the, 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 the recruit, the, the, the active lifestyle you've had in your community, so your, your, your response may be a little different, but what is something and it can be multiple things but try to think of one that you wish students had better training on before they walked into your doors well i would have to say the biggest one that i come across is i wish they read plays more and knew how to read plays uh, i find that as i start talking to them and i mention things like uh, the dramatic structure and the pursuing an objective and the, the, the yeah. inciting incident and the climax and all that stuff, they, have n they don't know how to read plays right. and they don't read a lot of plays. If they didn't do it in one act play uh, or in their fall production, right. then they don't know it. And uh, that that's an issue, uh, okay. especially when we're starting to... It's not the answer I was looking for, but okay. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, not, that's, that, that's one of the things. I've got a whole list of them, but... Well, what's uh, another, what's that's another, another one? Let's see if you can get to, to the one that I, I've gotten a few well, times. Well, another one that is... By the way, that was much more insightful than Jim Johnson's BS answer. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to that one. Uh, I also... Uh, one thing is that uh, cell phones are causing people to 
schlump and not own their own height and they're so physically out of touch with themselves okay. because they do less right. and less. That That's a big issue. I've got six foot two guys, you know, who are these young gods who schlump over like a 50 year old man at the shoulders because their <laughs> head's always yeah. down in their phone and that's a problem. And <laughs> that's a big problem. Especially uh, with your kind of fight choreography. Yeah, because I'm so not using their full physical movement yeah, and physical yeah. base. Yeah, so that's that's a tough one is getting them in touch with their physical selves. Yeah, uh, yeah those are those are two of the big ones. Yeah, the one. So the, the the answer that I've gotten the majority of the time is is scheduling. Kids don't know how to schedule themselves. Don't know how to. Uh, oh, that's a whole nother ball yeah, of wax. Yeah. yeah, that's that's life skills. Yeah. I, I was just yeah. talking theater skills. Yeah, well, but, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that's also a theater, you know, a theater yeah. skill too, obviously. But just uh, being on time somewhere yeah. is yeah. is mind-boggling. Understanding to them. how that how that snowball can affect other people and yeah. the selfishness of time. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I I've kicked kids out of shows for being late. Yeah. I've failed kids in classes because how do they, they react were consistently late. How do how do the kids react to that? Oh, they don't like it. They don't. Yeah. They don't think it's fair. Yeah, you right. know. And I say, well, it's not going to be fair when you're late two, three times to that equity house, and then yeah. you get fired and never hired back again. Right. You know. So I'm doing you a favor right yeah. now. Yeah. Before you get blacklisted. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All, all of my students, when they leave me, they can recite in their sleep. Ten minutes early is on time. On yeah. time is late. Late is fired. Yeah. That's Bob Singleton. That's how he raised us too. Uh, so you uh, just closed, well, I guess it's been about a month now, with Three Musketeers. Yep, at so, the Alley Theater. And how badly did you want to be the fifth musketeer on that stage? Oh, I <laughs> desperately, desperately And if you don't know Three Musketeers, spoiler alert, there's a, they're train or this version of it, yeah. they're training a guy to be a musketeer. So when I That's say right. fifth musketeer, you know, hey, Blake, there are three, obviously, it's in the title. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you... you uh, you were the fight choreographer for it. Yep, I was the fight director for that, and uh, it was great. It was a wonderful process. Uh, I'd been talking with the director, Mark Shanahan, for over a year right. about the project itself, and so he and I had been working very closely, um, almost hand-in-hand. He was just so generous with his his time and the, the amount of artistic freedom and input that he gave me uh, on figuring out what this show is right. because it's uh, Ken Ludwig's version yeah. uh, you know Ken Ludwig Lend Me a Tenor Moon Over Buffalo right. uh, great playwright but this is kind of one of his problem plays because he's taking this you know Alexander Dumas ma- novel and adapting it a la Ludwig and it the script on paper doesn't quite know what it wants to be right. is it a classical piece is it a ha 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 pokey pokey comedy uh, is it a classic swashbuckler? And it's really none of those things yeah. on its first initial read. So our goal was to try and help it find its you know, jaunty, almost cinematic swashbuckling life. Yeah. Uh, so we, we could be tongue-in-cheek but still have real-world stakes at the same time. And so that was a ton of fun. And so I worked with uh, two of my uh, private students uh, who are my main assistants, uh, Troy Beckman and Justin Gibbons. We have our own fight company called Arm to the Teeth. Arm to the Teeth. Arm to the Teeth. We'll get into that in a little bit. And uh, so the the three of us worked together on creating the fights uh, for the show months in advance. Often when I go in on a show and I'm going to fight direct, I'll have a vague idea of what I want the fight to be like, yeah. but I'll go in and I'll just kind of work it on the spot. Uh, 
and find my way through it. But because the bar is set so high, there's an expectation. When you see Three Musketeers, instantly everyone thinks, you know, dazzling swordplay, you know, high feats of daring do. And so we knew that it had to be good and it had to, uh, we wanted to tailor each fighting style to the individual characters and all, all these things that uh, the director and I had talked about. So the three of us, Troy and Justin and I, worked together creating the fights ahead of time uh, or at least a, a bare outline of them and we would film them and then send them to the director and we would have conversations and you know making sure we're getting the right tone you know which which are the more jaunty fights and you know what can we throw in here would this be appropriate for this character right. kind of thing and we set the bar very high yeah. we set it very high for the actors going in but I knew that the actors that I had were not all trained fighters. Right. I had one fighter who was exceptionally well trained, yeah. um, and uh, Seth Andrew Bridges, uh, who was coming out of uh, New York City, and he was uh, very well trained, right. highly trained. He was playing our Porthos. <coughs> I knew he was going to be great. And then I had a few other actors who had a little training here and there, and then I had some who never had picked Julia. up a sword. Yeah. <laughs> Julia Crone, call out <laughs> Julia Crone. I had some who had never picked up a blade before and yeah. really fought. So we started with boot camp. Basically, yeah. when we got to the rehearsal hall, we started with boot camp, and I showed, you know, here's the cuts, uh, here's the parries, here's the body positioning, here's the attitude, right. and so we just hit the basics, and then we dove into the, the choreography itself. And I went in with a plan A, a very high bar, plan A, and then I had a plan B, C, and D uh, to adjust down the depending on the skill level and right. how far we could get them. We didn't have to adjust anything as far as like dumbing it down or they watering really it down ready. for the actors. I, yeah, they, they, that, yeah, I knew that cast was hungry for... They were gung-ho. They knew what they were walking into. They were very yeah. gung-ho. Yeah. So we worked uh, really hard, uh, and it was great because I was given the rare treat of being there for the entire rehearsal process. Yeah. Often, uh, stage combat is an afterthought, right. and I get brought in toward the end, I'll get calls saying, yeah. oh, we open in two weeks, and we need a fight in this, can you come in? Right. And I'll be given two or three rehearsals, maybe, yeah. to work. Uh, but I was there every day, yeah. and we had two rooms going at the same time, so if they weren't on stage acting, I could take actors and pull them over and work on this fight right. while they weren't acting. Well, and like you said, it's an expectation, though, for that. Absolutely. Just seeing the word three mus words, three musketeers. Absolutely, yeah. and so the alley was smart, and they front-loaded uh, the rehearsal process and made sure that we had that available, and the right. director was completely on board with that. In fact, yeah. he was our biggest proponent of this is how we need to do it. And I was able to get my assistants, Justin and Troy, hired on as to play all the guards. Uh, so it's they were they help. were my ringers. Yeah. I had a couple of ringers in yeah. there. So they also knew the choreography, so they were able to help me teach. So I didn't have to go, now I'm this guy, ting, ting, ting. Now I go over here and I'm this guy, you know. So we were, I was able to demonstrate entire fight sequences. And it was just a wonderful process, and it came off beautifully. How early did you have the set? Because I know, like, the steps coming into play, I'm sure that... Yeah, we had two great sweeping staircases. Yeah. It... And trap doors. For and that trap doors I mean. down into the floor. <laughs> we were up in the rehearsal hall, yeah. and they gave us a doofer uh, staircase, one okay. staircase. Uh, 
And so we had that for a little while, yeah. just to give us an idea of like, okay, just this is happening above ground, this is, yeah, yeah, that yeah, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh, but once we got down into the uh, actual stage itself and we had the actual levels and the yeah. stairs and all that, we took an entire day just to put the fights in, right. in the space, and so it was great. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah it was a great show. And it was funny because when, when we went to go see it, and I have a, I mean, Julia's one of my closest friends, if not my closest, but uh, so I had I had a little bit of knowledge of the background of what was happening. I knew about your your incident uh, <clears throat> with the arrow to the head, uh-huh. um, you know, way before you posted anything, which I thought was hilarious. And her telling of the story is, you know, Julia dr- dramatic, but uh-huh. it was very funny. Um, but... Uh, uh, seeing pictures of the the the, the promotion promotional features of the of the show, the pictures of the show mm-hmm. on that set, the set didn't read in pictures the way it read on you know in person. Yeah. Meaning, it was very cartoony, if you will, not to like be belittle the set, but the way the everything was kind of hand drawn almost, mm-hmm. um, and given that. Uh, very like 60s, you know, coyote goes running and you just see lines behind him kind of idea. Yeah. That's what the set was in a way. So when you were talking about um, not knowing exactly what the script is trying to tell you, yeah. it did become, I mean, maybe I'm wrong just with seeing it. Mind you, my daughter had to go pee in the middle of it, so maybe I missed the part where they explained <laughs> it. But um, but seeing the set with kind of just the, the way that they were presented and even one of the musketeers, uh, the one with the, the, the facial hair, and the kind of cheesy facial hair, and I don't remember his character name, but he was played very like straight man, but also comical. He was very, com- you know, they, they had a comical feature to him. Yeah. And even the show opens kind of comical with uh, Julia coming in as, as the evil woman, and then you don't see her again for an hour. Yeah. But, um, and just the way that that's presented, but I thought it was really well done. It, it, it engaged the hell out of my, my daughter, my oldest. Um, and if that's the case, you know, you know you've done something well with, with entertainment value, so. Yeah, James yeah. Black, uh, he purposely chose that show because he said that he wanted a, it was his last show as the interim right. artistic director, and he said that he specifically wanted a show that was gonna pull out the whole family yep. and, and, and be an entertainment that anyone could come yep. and enjoy with anyone. And yeah. so that, that's exactly what it was. Even on the front row, there was, and I know it's a podcast so you can't see, but there was a kid sitting there the whole time like this. And then Slumped when over. they started, but, but then when they started um, sword fighting, you see him kind of go, and kind of just start sitting up, you know, scooching Engage his butt a bit back. More. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was just funny to you know you notice that kind of stuff as a as a theater person, just because sure, sure. you're looking at everything but the but the stage. Or that's great. At least that's what I do. I, I look up at lights. Um, but uh, it was very well done, and you got a lot of accolades on social media. Yeah, the reviews were yeah. were wonderful. I was very and you signed excited. everything Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> so there was that connection. So, but your connection to what is your connection to fight choreography uh, and being like just your? I, I know you explained earlier the 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 martial arts side of things, mm-hmm. uh, but now what is what is something that kind of keeps your unique perspective alive? Because not there's no fight that's the same. No, know? every so, every every fight's different. Every show's different. Every every production of the same show is the kid, different the, the, or the actors are different I yeah mean, it's yeah. all it's always different it's always uh new and exciting uh, i'm a 
certified teacher with the Society of American Flight Directors, and uh, I've been with them for decades now. And uh, we're like the stuntman's union for the stage. Right. We any any moment of violence, and that could be a, a, a simple fall. Right. You know, somebody comically trips over a rug and falls down. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing it right, somebody's come in and shown that actor how to fall down so that they don't break the wrists. Right. Uh, up to a 32-person battle with elves and orcs all over the place. You know, it just depends. But uh, yeah, you just you step in and you you uh, a, a good fight director comes in with an idea of what kind of story are we trying to tell? We want to only give the show enough fight that it's serving the story. We don't want to go gratuitous and say, hey, let's pause our tale for a while and watch all of this fight cool it's stuff. like old school musicals where the song had nothing yeah, to do with the plot. It just yeah, it pauses yeah. and watch a fight for a while. Yeah. You know, No, it has to serve the story, move the story al along, and then get out of the fight right. when we're done. And then uh, a good fight director also will tailor the action to the strengths of the actors that he's working with. Uh, and so, it, yeah, it completely depends. I've done uh, 28 Romeo and Juliet's. <laughs> Everyone has been different, yeah. you know, and some have been, uh, you know, maybe a third of them have been in the classic mode, right. you know, with the rapier and dagger and the, the breeches and the tights and all right. that stuff. Uh, and some of them have been like post-apocalyptic zombie land kind of stuff, you know, all <laughs> kinds of stuff. So it just depends. I, and I love so the challenge. Shakespeare intended it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never get bored with it. You know, I never get bored with that. I, I love it. What is, and you don't have to necessarily share names or even where it happened, but what's an uh-oh moment? An uh-oh moment. A good story that, you know. Well, I, I'm happy to say. By the way, uh-oh moment is trademark. Uh, if you want to use that, it'll pay me 10 cents. Anyway, continue. <laughs> well, I, I'm happy to say that none of my fighters have ever been injured in a production. That's good. In 30 years. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. And that's because safety is the number one thing. Right. Making sure that it's repeatable eight shows a week. Uh, but I had a, a scare one time. I was sure. doing a Romeo and Juliet. It was at Nicolet College up in Wisconsin. And I was driving up to the rehearsal hall, and I'm getting out of my car, and the stage manager comes running out the front door uh, saying, we've got to take somebody to the hospital. They were out back practicing her fight, and one of them got poked in the eye. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my God, what, what, what? You know, and this is, this is on my watch, but I wasn't there. They were rehearsing right. off rehearsal time. So... I go back there thinking, oh my God, somebody's got a sword in the eye, what's gonna happen? And I go back and they were in the back alley behind the theater, which is gravel, <laughs> uh, practicing their sword fights Losing their footing. with yeah. flip-flops on, okay. one of them. <laughs> okay. So there's this move called a balestra, which is basically like a leap and a lunge, and the initial leap causes you to take your forward foot and flick it forward as you do the leap. So when he leaped for also the... sounds like an American gladiator, uh, you know, anyway, continue. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when he leaped on his balestra, he was way out of distance because the balestra is supposed to close distance. When he leaped for the balestra, his flip-flop came flying off of his foot and hit Mercutio in the eye. Oh, so yeah. it was, yeah. So it, it wasn't my choreography, it wasn't my safety right. features being observed. It was two idiots out back right. being numb nuts playing on gravel with flip-flops and swords. So I read them the riot act, gave him no sympathy. Right. And uh, yeah. So that, that's, that's funny. That was the only real scare yeah, of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, H is never going to get hired again because flip-flop to the eye. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so what? Is, so tell me more about your the company. 
Oh, yes, uh, armed to the teeth, and okay. it's armed, the number two, and duh, D-A, teeth. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, we're armed fun. to the teeth, yeah. stage combat company. We're H-Town's heroes for hire. Okay. Uh, whatever you need as far as uh, do, do violence Do you do like superhero stage. stuff? Absolutely. Okay. In fact, uh, as I'm part sure of I'm sure that's something you, like, you get childish about, like a little giddy about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I teach a, a workshop class at the regional workshops called Captain America's Mighty Shield, <laughs> and it's fist versus shield. Okay. It's a, it's a whole class where we're punching shields the, in the entire time, and there's clever little ways that you do it and make it right. look like you really are, and it makes a big sound and seems impressive, but, you know, nobody actually gets hurt. But, yeah, yeah. we teach those kind of classes. Uh, you run into a lot of that kind of stuff, like She Kills Monsters has been a big right. one in the last few years. That's kind of... Uh, fantastical fighting styles right. and stuff. So yeah. yeah. Do you, what's your take on parkour? <laughs> <laughs> parkour, parkour, parkour. Uh, parkour is is a hoot, and in the hands of well-trained people, yeah. it's quite impressive and very useful. <laughs> Just when I when yeah when when it's when that fanta <laughs> when you said fantastical fighting, it's like you, I. Just kind of envision parkour kids, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just leaping around and doing stuff. Yeah, and if you and that's that's one thing you can do is when you go into a space and and you know you're going to do some kind of fight. Yeah, you can go in and go, hey, any of y'all got any special skills? Right. And one of them, you know, I do flips. You know, I do the splits. I do this. You know, yeah. I'm double jointed. You yeah. know, I've done that before. I went into a show one time, and it, this guy was supposed to rough these two kids up, and one of them was double jointed and could hyper extend his arm yeah. in a grotesque fashion. So we made that an arm break. And, no, yeah, it didn't yeah, hurt him at all. Yeah. We made that an arm break in the show and the yeah. audience would freak out every night. It was amazing. <laughs> so yeah, again, working off the strengths and skills of what's, your actors. What's the coolest thing you, what's the coolest <laughs> place you've done fight choreography? Oh. Well, uh, the coolest, most amazing in a, in a experience yeah. was the alley. I mean, okay. they're just. Well, in, in more of a, uh, childish way, you know, because like in that no. superhero kind of way, like what you know, the uh, alley's obviously a prestigious place to do it. But. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, one of my favorite experiences is uh, I actually once or twice I've gotten to be the fight director for shows I was in. Uh, I was playing uh, Jekyll and Hyde and Jekyll and Hyde, and uh, I got to do a sequence where. I throw one of the Board of Governors down to the ground and I pull out a sword cane and jab him in the eye and stick him to the floor through the eye uh, from the audience's perspective yeah. at least. Yeah. And that, that was a hoot. It always got a big reaction every night. Are you a throny? Do you know what that oh, is? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, yeah. Big time. So what's your... I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's, it's been a few years now since this episode has aired. When, when he gets his head crushed. When the mountain crushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Spoiler <laughs> alert, by the way. I should have said that first. Yeah. We didn't say who he crushes. Yeah, the so, mountain crushes. Uh, yeah. Mountain crushes uh, a lot of people. It's okay. Yeah, he does. But uh, that, so that has stuck with me. Yeah. Right, that image. Yeah. Is that something you think, like, is that something, if, if Game of Thrones ever becomes uh, a musical or ever becomes a staged If show, there's a god. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure something's going to happen. I mean, they've got to do something, <laughs> but... Um, and you know, even in a prequel, they 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 might start filming uh, spinoffs and do do prequel. They're, they're working stuff. on a prequel yeah, yeah, yeah. already. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if he'll be in it. Uh, oh, I don't know. You know that would be the mountain. Anyway, well, not the mountain. Um, was it Oberon? Was that his name? What was uh, what was the prince's name? Uh, yeah, 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 I, I believe think that it was, was Oberon. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I one a side note about him. If you watch Narcos, I don't know if you watch Narcos. Narcos no. is based loosely based on. Uh, the true story of, of uh, what's his name, the Mexican drug lord, uh, 
not Chapo. Mexican, El Chapo? Uh, Colombian, but yes, they do Mexico later. Uh, what did you just say? El Chapo? El Chapo, before that it was the Colombian guy, and I forget what uh, his I name is. Know. But anyway, uh, he plays the like lead detective, the, the, the oh, lead that protagonist. Same actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like uh, him. So when I saw him in that, I was like, whoa, his face. <laughs> <laughs> he healed <together>. up nice. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of the whole thing that I was asking is, yeah. are there effects like that that you can replicate on stage without the advent of CGI, without all that uh, extra fluff? Are oh there yeah, things like that that you yeah. Oh yeah, we can figure stuff like that yeah. out. That's that's that part of the fun. Doable, yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Like uh, we uh, did a Julius Caesar once, and the concept for the the director was he kind of placed it during the Gulf Gulf Storm. Okay. And Caesar was like a big politician uh, type person. And he was in a white suit during the big stabbing scene, and he wanted all of the stabs to show and start bleeding. And so I had to work with the costume designer, and he was wearing a white suit. White suit, white vest, white pants, so white every everything. Day. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we had multiple packets working all over his wow. costume and how all the stabs would land. And so we had to carefully choreograph where the stabs took place how you hit them right. and and the right amount of, of blood for each thing so it would come through and all that. Oh, we had so much fun experimenting fun. with that. Yeah. yeah. Was, was, that, was that a higher budget show? Yeah, it was a it was a university okay, and it was, was like one say, of their big yeah. doing doing a, a white suit every day that's <laughs> fitted with blood packets and specific spots. Yeah. Oh, well, there's yeah. this there's this great a uh, friend of mine he, uh, out of Chicago, uh, Greg Poljasic, he has this product called Blood Jam and it washes out of anything Everything. with cold water. It's amazing. It's the only product blood anyone jam. should blood uh, jam. That yeah, sounds like a festival. <laughs> yeah, it's the only product anybody should use. But yeah, okay. it's amazing. There's another. There's another little plug. Yeah, man. Uh, what is? How long has your company been around? Uh, we just formed around the Musketeers experience. Oh, okay. Uh, Troy and uh, Justin had both been training with me uh, as a private stage combat students they're they're u of h graduates both of them uh and they trained initially with adam noble but while you're in the u of h program you get about two three maybe four weapons while you're in there or at least that's what they were able to acquire and so they contacted me to get the rest of their weapons there's eight weapons that the safd uh can certify an actor in okay and so to get the rest of the weapons they started training with me and we started working together we we hit it off we're like-minded as far as like how we approach choreography and we really balance each other's strengths out in right. a nice way so we, uh, immediately as soon as this project was coming on board I, I knew two people I can trust and who I know speak my language and right. so I grabbed them immediately so now switching gears a little bit because I don't want to just peg you as this fight choreographer no you said, no you said it's, you did dialects. it's but one of my skills <laughs> yeah you said you did dialects yeah I is love that something you uh, is that something you also coach on Oh, absolutely. Okay. In fact, I outside would outside of your outside of com. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, okay. any time. In fact, I would I would venture to say that I'm actually a better dialectician than stage combat guy. Oh, really? Yeah, I just don't okay. do it as much. Right. Because it's <laughs> it's a specialized skill, right. the stage combat, and everybody needs it a lot. But right. yeah, I love doing dialects, and I'm I, I would say I'm quite adept at breaking them down and teaching them. Right. Do you? I mean, what are your thoughts on accent help? <laughs> <laughs> the Jim tapes Johnson. and things like that. Uh, those are great. Those are yeah. great. Those are great. He, he's he's a he's such a kook. He's such an interesting guy. You he's know, like brilliant. Rolling around. Oh, he's brilliant. He's, yeah, we've had him in a few. He's times. forgotten more about dialects than I could ever possibly yeah. learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, yeah, mean, I mean, that's his lifeblood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he loves it. Uh, dialects are always uh, well. 
so when you walk into a show as an audience member, and you know that they're supposed to be speaking just a proper British, you know, EP, uh, uh, RP, EP, RP, received thinking, pronunciation, extended, darling. extended play disc, you know, you know, an EP, <laughs> uh, but uh, an RP. Yeah. Um, do, do is there a cringe? Like, do you, <laughs> you know, is that something that gets you cringy more than anything else? Like, they just open their mouth and it's kind of like, eh. yeah. For me, I mean, I mean, there's certain. The, the ah, ah conundrum, yeah. you know, of do I say ah or do I say ah here? You know, you got to be consistent on that, yeah. and uh, the placement has got to be right. As long as, you know, I'm not going to get pulled out of it as long as everybody's on the same page. Right, okay. But if you've got one guy who's really strong and somebody, you know, this person over here, they're wavering in and out of it yeah. and dropping in and out, you know, that pulls you out of the story. But yeah. if they can just agree that this is the world of our play and, you know, would I'll be okay. You, would you recommend, let's say you're doing a show that is... And, and right off the top of my head, I can't think of anything right now, but that is, uh, or, or like importance of being earnest or something mm -hmm. like that, that is, you're supposed to be doing English dialect, right? Mm -hmm. With your cucumber sandwiches. Yes. Um, if you have actors that are trying hard but can't do it, would you recommend just cutting it? You know what yeah, I mean? If you yeah, can't, if you can't arrive at a place where it's solid and consistent mm -hmm. and it's not gonna change, then just don't do it. It's more forgivable to just be yeah. an actor playing a part rather than an actor that's struggling to do a dialogue. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, because I'll quickly forgive and forget in the first few moments right. that, okay, that's not a thing in this show. We're right. not doing it. Move on. Right. But if they're coming and going, then they're constantly pulling me out of the story and reminding me that these are actors not succeeding. Right. You know, then that that's serving no one. Right. So. Yeah. Um, Switching a little bit to UIL, one act play, because you're an adjudicator. Yes. That's how we met. Uh, That's right. Officially met. Uh, I had known who you are, but. Um, and uh, as an adjudicator, how long have you been adjudicating now? Uh, this last incarnation, I, I adjudicated when I was uh, at Lon Morris okay. back in the day, uh, and I was adjudicated for, it's been about 12 years total. Okay. Um, is there a show, and I asked Luis this too, and he, he didn't give me the. He just said yes. <laughs> that was his answer. Yeah, yeah. That was his very descriptive answer. Yeah. Is there a show that you saw that um, you advanced mm -hmm. that you thought was state-worthy and they didn't make it? Ooh, that's that's tough. And not, and I'm not talking about at the region level. I'm talking about a little earlier because yeah. the region, of course, most of those shows are state-worthy. You know. Yeah. They're not there by accident. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's lots of times <laughs> when I when I've been like, and, and I've seen the shows that have advanced You're instead. Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. And my thing is, uh, it every adjudicator is like a thumbprint. We all have a certain level or standard that we're supposed to follow as far as like what makes a show exceptional right. and why it advances and things like that, but. For me, I, I find that certain judges get pulled in by certain things. Right. Like I, I, I find that sometimes people get uh, buffaloed or, or uh, distracted by the spectacle of the right. show, and the communication is not there. Sure. You know, so the technical elements and the, oh, this big flashy cool thing just happened, or they really yeah. took a risk with that. But if I don't believe the words that are coming out of the kid's mouth, and if I don't believe the relationship, and if I don't see them actively listening and experiencing that moment for the first time, 
uh, I don't care how slick the production is, right. I won't advance that. I mean, because that's, it's about the kids. Right. You know, when it's you were, not about what the other elements were doing. When you had your first bout of being an adjudicator when you were at Lawn Morris, was that when, before panels? Uh, yes. So, what is, what is something you miss about being the only judge, and then what's something that you're so appreciative <laughs> of being on a panel? I, I think it's great uh, when a panel, especially when a panel jives, then when you present the results to the schools and they see that, you know, the panel was pretty agreed. much across the board. Yeah, we all yeah. kind of agree that this is how this yeah. was this day. And that's the thing. It can, it's you know, any, any given day, it's about that day. Uh, but uh, the panel's on board and they're all like, yep, this is the show that should have gone. And, yeah. you know, this show had things that, you know, didn't allow it to at this right. moment. Uh, that's great, and it, <laughs> and those people who are uh, upset with the results or unhappy with their results, it helps to soften that blow a little bit. It also takes a little bit of the heat off the judges, right. you know, saying it wasn't just me. Uh, I like that about it. But sometimes, you know, you can have a, a squirrel in the mix of your panel, and it, you go, what were they? Somebody goes rogue. What were they watching? <laughs> I, you know, so it, it happens. It happens, yeah. you know. Yeah. And no one's right, no one's wrong. It's yeah. just, you know. How they felt. Flavors. Yep. What is something you miss, though, from, like, do you miss anything from being a solo adjudicator? Well, yeah. Did it have the, its benefits? The, the fact that, you know, the, the things that I see that need rewarding get rewarded. Right. You know, sometimes I see what I feel are injustices. Right. You know. And again, that's, but by and large, I think the panel is uh, overwhelmingly a positive yeah, thing. Yeah, oh, sure. But I then there are always, there's yeah. always those moments, though, and I'm just like, ah, oh, that kid should have been best right. actor. Right. He was the most believable thing I saw all day, and the other kid ended up getting best actor. He yelled real loud, right. you know, right. but there was nothing behind it, right. you know. So I hate that. I wish I was the acting judge at every contest. Every time. I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let Jay Thomas know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, right. that's fun. So let's get into a little bit of the the superhero stuff. Yes, please. <laughs> so you're big Captain America fan. Captain America. So when did that start? Like, wh like how old uh, were you when you got into all that I, stuff? I think my first words were Super Soldier. Uh, <laughs> since since I was a little kid, yeah. uh, I I collected comic books early on. I, again, I grew up out in the middle of nowhere. Our nearest yeah. neighbor lived over five miles away, so unstructured playtime right. with no cellular devices, no internet, no television, really. Uh, we had two and a half channels where I grew up. Uh, you know, you made your own fun, and you. Right. I had a very full fantasy life as a, as a superhero in my backyard and in the barn and wherever. So I, I always dug that adventure aspect and, and the the black and white world of this is right this is wrong right. when you see wrong you do something about it right and and i did captain america what is, yeah what is it about captain america uh what's great about captain america and all the superheroes that i truly dig and appreciate is that he has no real superpowers right the serum that he took the super soldier serum uh developed by dr abraham erskine uh was all it did was help him achieve the, the pinnacle of human perfection, which yeah. is all we're trying to do, everybody, is just trying to be their best human. So that's what yeah. I dig about him. There's nothing special about him. He's just as good as a human can be. Right. You know, and that's true of all the superheroes that I really dig. Who is the most overrated superhero? The most overrated superhero? Oh, 
Well, uh, as he pushes back his glasses, it uh, completely depends. Uh, what era are we talking here? Uh, <laughs> I mean, some uh, people think Batman, you know, because the same thing goes for Batman. As he's, no, well, yeah, he if, doesn't if, have any. I think if I'd cut my teeth on DC, I mean, he doesn't have any powers, but the things he does yeah. to overcompensate, you yeah. know. Uh, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's the king of overcompensating. <laughs> yeah, he's the king of overcompensating. Yeah, sure, you can lift a building, but can you make this? Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't know. Overrated? That, that'd be tough to say. Yeah. I'm such a fan. That's the thing. Is Who, who's the most underrated then? Who's the one that you're waiting to see uh, turn into a, you know, in this great age of... And, and I know Comic-Con just released all their stuff between now and like 2022 or 2025, something ridiculous, but... I would love to see uh, Simon Williams' Wonder Man uh, be a thing. Hmm. You know, he's, he's awesome. Uh, right. He's one of my favorite characters. But uh, yeah, see, the thing is, I'm, I'm not one of those purists. You know, right. I have so many friends who hate on this movie and hate on that right. movie. You know, well, technically, you know, this hero doesn't right. do that or they never blah, blah, blah. I'm just thrilled they're being just, made. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up in the era where we had a decent Superman movie where you could still see the wires. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the, Adam West. Yeah, Adam West. <laughs> and a really bad, uh, never made it off the shelves, but everybody got a bootleg copy of uh, Fantastic Four mm -hmm. where... Mr. Fantastic was a glove on the end of a stick extending across the room, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm just glad any of it's being right. made. And, you know, if you don't like it, wait around five years, they'll remake it yeah. and they'll probably yeah, do yeah. it better. Yeah. You know. That's funny. Yeah, I love it all. I'm just glad it's happening. What's your, and take Captain America out of it, what is your favorite film that has been made to date of, of the superheroes? And you can narrow it down if you want to yeah, my say favorite a couple. Film? That would be really tough. I, I would I would say the last uh, the animated Spider-Man, uh, the Spider-Verse, yeah, Spider-Verse Spider one last year. God, that was so. I good. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. It was so good. Yeah, everybody it was so well done. It. it had such great heart. I I, okay. I loved it. And Wonder Woman was yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw that one. Really dug it. I liked Logan. Yeah, <laughs> Logan was great. Logan was know, great. Maybe it's the maybe it's the theatrical side of me because it was I, the storytelling of it. I would not want to be the next person to step into Wolverine. Wolverine yeah. shoes. Yeah, because yeah, that would be tough. Back it's so to iconic what you now. Said, I don't remember exactly what you said earlier, about an hour ago now, um, about seeing. Uh, it went into my head, but but going back to seeing him chosen as Wolverine coming from the stage, being a musical theater talent. I forget what we were talking about. Oh, but, yeah, we were talking uh, about Captain America, and we were talking about Chris Oh, that's Evans. right, that's right, that's right. Uh, that wasn't on, on air. That yeah, was, yeah. yeah, yeah, on air. I yeah, I was, like I was talking about how uh, I was a little apprehensive, apprehensive yeah. about Chris Evans at first because what I knew him as was the cocky Johnny Storm human torch in yeah. Fantastic Four. So, so, but that said, so now it's, you know, seeing... Uh, seeing him play Wolverine and knowing his his, his musical theater background, musical theater background, yeah, and I'm yeah. wondering if there were just people that were like, "Really? They're gonna get him to play the song and dance yeah. man?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then he goes off to to do a, an extremely uh, successful song and dance movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. Well, my ins my inside my inside purist at the time was like, "He's way too tall to be Wolverine," but uh, <laughs> but I mean, he was great. I mean, yeah. he was he was wonderful. I, yeah, yeah. I'd hate to be the actor coming in after yeah. him so but i'm sure that's how batman was you know with, with yeah maybe i mean i know michael i know the purists are like michael keaton wasn't the original but um but you know he was the original cinematic he was, yeah he was the original right correct. You know, not counting uh, the movie that adam west made yeah but you know i'm sure that was 
there was also some big shoes to fill at that time. Sure, uh, you know, absolutely. In the 90s, and then they didn't fill the shoes with a couple of them. But it's, and every you know, joker now is getting compared to Heath Ledger. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I mean, you just you got to let those things go. People yeah. let it go. People let it go. <laughs> just be just be glad they're being made at all. So I want to wrap up. <laughs> I feel like we could go on for hours about you know you just you just want to talk about superheroes. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, give me, uh, give me a piece of advice. Give me a piece of advice that's related to your background, your upbringing, uh, what you've seen, where you've been, uh, something that is either for the teachers or for the students. Um, maybe you were told or maybe you conjured up yourself that you want to just let the world know about. And by world, I mean the 32 people that are currently listening. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't realize it was that many. Uh, <laughs> Uh, don't take yourself so seriously. It's just a play. Family comes first. Theater can come second. Uh, don't be so precious about your art that you know you're you're making people around you miserable. If your kids aren't having a good time, if your actors aren't having fun in the process, uh, you're doing something wrong. You know, and and make it not about the final product. If you make it about the best possible process. The product will take care of itself. But I, I see so many people who are so worried about the final product, they're worried about the end result that they're not taking the steps and investing in those moments. They're like, yeah, yeah, get past this, get past this, get past this. But if you invest in the moment and, and ingrain in your kids a love of process, then your product's always gonna be great and you're gonna have happy little campers along the way.